Section 5 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 10, October 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by David L. York, Kansas City, Missouri, September 1, 2022. Calculations of Population in June 1900 by Henry Farquhar, Statistical Expert, Division of Statistics, U.S. Department of Agriculture. Read before Section 1 of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, Columbus, August 22, 1899. The problem to be discussed in this paper may be stated as follows. Given the population of the United States, not including recent territorial extensions, for the first of June in each tenth year, given also the total immigration to the country for the several decades beginning with 1821 and ending with 1900, to conclude from those data the population probably to be returned for the same territory for the first of June next year. In using the decennial population figures, those for 1870 confessed by General Walker himself to be several hundred thousand short of the truth, are omitted. The immigration for the fiscal year just begun has necessarily to be estimated in calculating the increase from 1890 to 1900. Otherwise, the official returns constitute the data of the problem. Immigration the annual figures are given by fiscal years ending with September from 1820 to 1849, with the exception of the years 1832 to 1842, then from 1850 to 1865. The year of the immigration report closes with December. From 1866 to elate the fiscal year ending with June is adopted. To make the figures homogeneous, the earlier returns are approximately reduced to years ending with June by adding and subtracting for the fiscal year of each decade a proportion of the immigration equal to the proportional part of the year between the end of June and the end of the immigration year adopted, that is, one-fourth if the latter ends with September, one-half if with December. This approximate reduction would be exact if immigration during the year so divided were precisely uniform. The assumed immigration for the present fiscal year, 354,000, is larger than that reported for any year since 1893, though considerably less than for the first three years of the decade. The last decade, however, shows but one year, that ending June 1886, when the immigration was less than 354,000. Natural Increase It need hardly be confessed that to take the difference between the population at the beginning of June for 10 years apart, to diminish that difference by the immigration for a 10-year interval reaching forward to the end of the same month, and to treat this diminished difference as the natural increase for the decade of the population reported at the beginning, is not a procedure that should be employed in a calculation where any great refinement is admissible. Unfortunately, in this case, our data do not admit of delicate handling. 
The most important error involved in this treatment is probably that of neglecting the increase in immigration population itself from the time of landing to the end of the decade. If allowance were made for such increase, it would result in a slightly smaller estimated population for the first day of June next. The correction is here neglected for four reasons. One, it's uncertainty. For the assumption that an immigrant population immediately after arrival will increase at the same rate as natives is only approximately true, and there is no trustworthy way of tracing this element of the population from census to census. Two, the smallness of the amount involved. No reasonable estimate of the increase in question for any decade, even that beginning with 1880, would reach half a million by but a very small fraction of which amount the final result for 1900 could be affected, a fraction insignificant when compared with errors unavoidably entering. 3. The desirability of simplicity in the calculations as well as definiteness. 4. The probability that the discordance between the 1880 and 1890 census figures brought out by the application in the formulae herewith to be shown is due more to deficiency of the latter rather than to excess of the former, so that any treatment which, using the figures as they stand, leads to a lower final result for 1900 is to be avoided. The natural increase, therefore, as here understood, is the total increase during the decade by census record, diminished only by the accession from immigration in that time. Law of Natural Increase In a newly occupied territory, the tendency of a population is to grow in a geometrical progression. The percentage of increase is in that case constant for a constant interval, and the total population equal to some fixed quantity raised to a power represented by the time. After a period, longer or shorter, According to the capacity of the population to support itself on the land, the percentage of increase falls off and grows lower as the population grows greater. The law of this falling off in the ratio is one which, in the present state of our knowledge, has to be decided empirically. The following formula is used, with some modifications to be explained, in these calculations. Delta P is equal to P over E plus FP plus GP squared. Where P denotes the population, delta P its natural increase in 10 years, and EFG positive constants to be found by calculation. It will be seen that this formula would give a geometrical progression if F and G were zero that it gives a near approach to such a progression for small values of p that delta p would continually increase, thus showing always larger additions per decade, and approximate to an arithmetical progression with common difference equal to 1 over f for very large values of p if g were 0, that without any such supposition, delta P increases in value as long as P is less than the square root of E over G, but decreases when P exceeds the square root of E over G, 
and that the effect of the constant g is to make the population, when it becomes very large, nearly proportional to the square root of the time elapsed. If delta p is taken as a differential coefficient, it is easy to deduce a value of the time in terms of the population, involving the logarithm of p as well as its first and second powers, but a statement of p in terms of the time seems to require a series to express it. To treat delta p as a difference instead of a differential only introduces further complexities, so that it will not be worthwhile to go further into the mathematical discussion of the formula. For convenience of the constants f and g are made to apply to a population in millions, a million inhabitants being taken as a unit in the calculation. The table to be shown is constructed accordingly. To apply to natural units, f would have to have six ciphers prefixed, while g would require 12. Table of Results The results of four calculations will appear in the table. In the first, all the coefficients e, f, and g are determined. The census figure for 1870 is rejected, but the law of natural increase is supposed to operate undisturbed from 1860 to 1870, as in decades before and after. This gives the results headed A. In the second calculation, g is taken as zero and, as before, no break is supposed between 1860 and 1870. This calculation is denoted b. The third calculation, c, differs from b by supposing that the law of increase, which applies from 1820 to 1860 and after 1870, is not true for the decade of the Civil War, and that a new start must be made from the latter date. The difference between the new value and that calculated from the 1860 figure, denoting the effect of the extraordinary losses by wounds, disease, etc., during that decade. The fourth calculation, D, agrees with C in recognizing a break after 1860, but it takes F equals zero and so determines E and G. Two lines are given in the table for the date 1870 where the calculation assumes a break, the first showing a normal increase from 1860, and the second making allowance for extraordinary losses marked L in the table. All differences, ratios, etc., in which the census population for 1870 enters are put in parentheses. In forming the four columns of calculated population, the formula is applied to the figure found for the beginning of the decade to obtain the natural increase. To this is added the ascertained immigration for the decade. The result is the total increase and hence is derived the calculated figure for the end of the decade. The second column of the table shows the census population in millions and decimals of a million for the dates in the first. The third column gives successive differences of the second. The fourth shows the immigration and the fifth the difference between the two preceding, here called natural increase. The percentage formed by that increase compared with the population at the beginning next appears. This shows a general falling off in value as noted above, 
while its reciprocal, denoted P over delta P in the seventh column, is the number represented by E plus FP plus GP squared in our formula. The remaining columns give the four calculations of population as already explained. Each calculated value is followed by the correction reducing it to the value actually found. Another word as to the meaning of the coefficient e, the number of people that increase by a unit, as 2.862 to 3.862, 2.279 to 3.279, and so on, in 10 years when the population was very scanty. The length of time in which the population would double itself under those circumstances, by natural increase, is found by ascertaining what power 2 is of 1 plus 1 over e. The four calculations give 23, 19, 21, and 26 and one-half years, respectively. The time of doubling lengthens without limit as the population increases, and the effect of coefficients other than e appears. Comparison of four calculations. All calculations agree in indicating a large deficiency for the census population in 1870, which was 898,000 by the last and nearly double as much by the first. The 1890 census was also short by a less amount, while that of 1880 gave an excess according to all four. The census figures from 1820 to 1860 are much more easily reconcilable. None of these is more than 100,000 in error by more than one of the four calculations, and only one census, that for 1830, errs in the same direction according to all four. Perhaps this may be taken as an indication that the 1830 census gave a somewhat excessive total, while the others were fairly close to the truth. Calculation C gives a near agreement with all these antebellum results, while B and D show systematic divergences. To those since the war, on the contrary, B and D are both nearer than C. The agreement of A for every census but 1870 is strikingly close. No attempt has been made to compare these results by aggregating the residual corrections and so computing a probable error of quantities found, because this work could only be misleading. It is plain that the results of calculation A would come out best and C worst by such a test residuals and parentheses being omitted, and yet it is the belief of the writer that the result under C for 1900 is nearer the truth than that under A. He does not believe that the rate of natural increase has really reached a maximum and is now diminishing, as both A and D require for the square root E over G equal 56 by A and 53 by D. He does not believe that the discordance of the 1870 census is altogether due to omissions in taking it, or that it can really be a million and three-quarters short.
A calculation in the preface to the population volumes for 1890 made the deficiency a little over a million and a quarter, and even that figure is probably too high, because it depends upon the supposition that the southern section of the country, which had suffered most in the war, yet increased during that decade correspondingly with other sections. The writer believes that three-quarters of a million is a fair estimate for war losses in the 1870 census, and that the official figures were little, if any, over a million too small, about as Calculation C makes them. It is more probable that the 11th census, or both the 10th and 11th, were largely in error, than that such a theory of the ninth census, as is shown under Calculation A, is true. Final Result for 1900 The final figures under the four calculations have a range of 2 million and indicate a corresponding uncertainty in the prediction. The highest of them is 2 million less than the Treasury Department's calculation would give. The estimates of population which accompany the monthly financial reports point to a value of 77,676,000 for June 1900. Those estimates show substantially uniform third differences and, therefore, appear to connect population with time by an algebraic equation of the third degree. There is no evidence of an attempt to take separate account of immigration in the Treasury estimates. A conclusion inconsistent with them requires, therefore, little apology. Reasons have been given for preferring Calculation C, which gives the largest result of the four to the others. The writer can only present his own views for what they are worth. According to them, the population to be shown by the 12th census will be more probably above than below 75 million, but is altogether unlikely to reach 76 million. If it should be anything like so high, it will indicate a deficiency in the last census total sufficiently marked to invalidate any computation for the future in which the figures of that census are adopted without correction or criticism. In fact, while it is necessary to take the whole series of results, so far as that can be done, as a foundation for any law which is applied to further calculations, it is necessary also to correct one set of figures by others, that the result may be as little as possible tainted by errors belonging to one or a few previous results. If it be supposed, on the other hand, that all discrepancies between census figures and calculation are indications of real irregularities of which the calculation takes no account, it need hardly be added that such a supposition negatives the validity of any possible prediction from the data at command. End of Section 5